0: Getting your body into a place where you're using fat for fuel and you're really in a consistent state of nutritional ketosis is the one thing that's going to make the biggest difference once you start to incorporate the fiber. Because your system, your metabolism is working so much more effectively and you're able to utilize the benefits of that fiber more effectively.
1: State of high performance.
2: You're listening to Bulletproof Radio with Dave Asprey. Today's cool fact of the day is that drinking coffee or even its weaker cousin, mate tea, might keep your weight in check. Now, you're hearing me say this going, Dave, duh. (laughs) I've read the Bulletproof Diet. Uh, You've talked a lot about caffeine and ketosis. However, this is a new study in rats. And yes, we do have some metabolic similarities to rats being mammals. And yes, there are other differences. However, those studies are a lot better than no studies. And so they can illustrate a lot. But the study in rats from the University of Illinois suggests that caffeine can offset some of the negative effects of an obesogenic diet. Caffeine reduces the storage of lipids in fat cells by limiting weight gain and the production of triglycerides. Okay, this isn't coffee. This is just caffeine. Now, coffee may have its own set of superpowers separate from caffeine. But what they did in the study is for four weeks, rats got caffeine equal to a human drinking about four cups of coffee a day. Why they didn't just use coffee to get the full set of benefits, I don't really know. But at the end of the time, scientists found that rats that consumed caffeine from mate tea, coffee, or synthetic sources accumulated less body fat than rats who didn't get caffeine. In other words, could come from anywhere but this is a caffeine specific effect. Rats that had caffeine from mate tea gained 16% less weight and 22% less fat than rats who got caffeine free tea. And mate tea is an herbal beverage that it's a stimulant in southeastern Latin American countries and it's got about half as much caffeine as a typical cup of coffee. And What's interesting is they found the accumulation of lipids and fat cells is really closely tied with weight gain and increased body fat in rats And they said regardless of its source, caffeine decreased the accumulation of lipids and fat cells by 20 to 41 percent. So in true academic, um, results here's what they said study authors say the results of this research could be scaled to humans to understand the roles of monte tea and caffeine as potential strategies to prevent overweight and obesity now i'm just gonna be a little bit more straightforward because i don't have to worry about academic tenure we now have more evidence than we did before that having some caffeine but not too much every day is probably damn good for you and if you're not drinking coffee it's because you're weak or maybe you don't metabolize caffeine well, but you know that doesn't mean you're weak. It just means that you're probably a bad person. All right, just kidding. Uh, on that note, seriously, at this point, the evidence is in. Caffeine from all sources in small amounts before 2 p.m. for most people's biologies is a really good idea for huge varieties of reasons. And this is just one more little drop of coffee in the giant coffee cups worth of evidence that says that uh, this is good for you. And if you're one of those weird people who says, I'm going to give up coffee because I don't wanna be addicted to anything, I would ask you to ask yourself, if you do something every day that makes you feel really good, does it mean you're addicted to it? Because if so, I'm talking about exercise, you need to quit that too. Now, I will get off my soapbox, and they're like, good God, is Dave talking about rats? He's talking about caffeine, mate. What is he gonna talk about here? And here's the deal, none of the above. I completely broke my foreshadowing habit as part of my New Year's resolution. And today, uh, we are going to have someone back on the show who cracked the top ten all-time favorite Bulletproof Radio episodes and has been there since her 2018 interview. I'm talking about interview number 477, Glow from the Inside Out, Autophagy and Women. And today's guest is Naomi Whittle. She's an entrepreneur, leading nutritional expert, New York Times best-selling author for the first time with her book Glow 15, and. Someone who, if you heard the last episode, has this amazing background of just growing up in a super healthy household and still having a bunch of health problems. And she, like me, has been looking at the ketogenic diet um, since the early days, and there are problems. Problems you've probably read about if you're a longtime reader of my blog, saying problems with intermittent fasting in women or problems with keto in women. Well, Naomi if you can't tell, is a woman. And she has written a whole book about, hey, here's what's going on with women and ketosis. Her new book is called High Fiber Keto. And it is completely in alignment with what I have found, even some of the products uh, that I've been making uh, with Bulletproof. So Naomi's going to come on to the show today and she's going to tell us about keto and women and fiber and stuff that you haven't heard. And we're going to completely just destroy the dirty keto cult that has been forming around the Bulletproof principles and things like that, and I I would say perverting them. With that intro, Naomi, welcome to the show.
0: Oh my, Dave, it's so awesome to be here. And I have been waiting for this day, really, since we uh, did our last show. I just absolutely loved it, and um, I'm really excited to be here.
2: You have such an amazing background in nutrition because... Um, you've started several of your own companies. You know you were CEO of Twin Lab, which is a, a very uh, a very well-known supplement company. So you've really spent a long time figuring out uh, what people are are doing in sort of the the dirty back rooms of the food industry. Mm-hmm. Uh, and because you've seen it firsthand, and you've also experienced it as someone who has been unwell and used nutrition to restore yourself. Uh, so I, I just love it that you've been working on all these levels uh, for, uh, for so long. And now, uh, what is the latest thing you're doing uh, as an entrepreneur? Because, I mean, you, you, you keep starting stuff. What, what's your latest, uh-huh. your latest gig before you get into your new book?
0: Well, I, I just, in the past couple of months, got out of my four-year non-compete. So I had four years where I couldn't do what I naturally have been doing, honestly, for about 25 years. So um, what I'm doing right now is really, truly um, focusing on the areas of my health and that of so many other women um, specifically to help us um, adjust to this environment that we're living in, right? So there are are macro trends that are going on right now, and, and one of them has to do with safety. Like we are very serious as a society about safety and we live in this sort of like, um, you know, fight or flight state. We talk about it all the time and that is affecting the way that we perceive our environment, the way that we experience our family and our own health. So I've, I've put a lot of time over the past several years into learning about what it is that creates a feeling of true um, safety inside of our bodies, like um, being in that parasympathetic state. What gets us there, and not judging that process. So um, I've, I've been doing a lot of that, and that that involves, you know, getting deeper sleep, staying in a REM state for longer, uh, different forms of, of brain waves. You know, children are constantly in the state of meditation or their theta brain wave state, yeah. and so spending time with my little, I have four children, so spending time with my little kids and and just learning and feeling that um, is a big part of what I've been doing. I've also been um, really focused on the concept of what true relaxation is and, and how you can move your body into that state, like if it's through a flotation tank or um, whatever state we're sort of playing in. Um, and then this feeling of, of being truly calm. Again, they sort of like all fit together, but safety, relaxation and calmness and how we can, how we can experience that um, not just physically, but with our emotions. So moving away from this process of over consuming thoughts, you know, if we're having 60, 70,000 thoughts in a day, and it's just moving very, very quickly and getting down to a deeper level of, okay, these are the emotions that I'm experiencing and how do I really create the states that will allow me to experience the most well-being. And so this process of writing High Fiber Keto was exactly that. And just looking at these three sort of states from a nutritional perspective.
2: It's amazing that you're saying, oh, what am I doing as an entrepreneur? Oh, I'm working on making my biology work better. I've said for a long time, when I go on a business podcast or something, your company is a reflection of your own energy state uh, and if you're not managing your stress and you're not managing your your biological integrity it'll show up somewhere uh, in your life or in your mm-hmm. company and a lot of the 40 years of zen work is around that that sense of safety and what you find is a lot of entrepreneurs are actually outperforming as entrepreneurs because they don't feel safe <laughs> So it's like, I was bullied in seventh grade. So now, you know, I'm going to be a mixed martial artist and I'm going to be an online bully and uh, I'm going to start a company and I'm going to dominate the world. And like, maybe you should just get a good night's sleep and then you can start a company and help the world. It's a very different mindset, but I I see it all the time. And so you're you're taking it from your perspective and and saying, all right, like, how do I work on that front? And writing books is meditative because it makes you really go deep. Uh, But what you're talking about is fascinating because in the, the bulletproof sort of teachings, you know, the stuff I, I came down to, there's these three things and longtime listeners already know this. If you're a new listener, your mind will be blown. There's fear. So our bodies will do stuff to keep us alive and things that we think are gonna kill us. Yeah. Then is food because we're worried about famines, right? And then is reproduction, because <laughs> if you don't reproduce the species, we all die. Uh, and then you know after that is is friends. But you're very elegantly, in what you just said, mixing together the fear thing and the food thing. Because if Mm -hmm. we feel like we're going to starve, that triggers, oh my God, I'm going to die. What is the role of of keto in women in modulating sympathetic and parasympathetic balance?
0: Uh, Such a great question. I think as a woman who was seriously um, addicted to sugar, and would experience my blood sugar going all over the map, um, insulin spikes. And I, and I got there over time cravings. What really got me excited about uh, keto two and a half years ago was I am constantly thinking about how my day is being used. Right. So I, I went to that dialogue about, you know, 60, 70,000 thoughts that we have in an average day. And, I came to the conclusion that a lot of those thoughts were around cravings. I was craving Mm -hmm. this sugar. I was having these cravings and I, without like too much judgment, I didn't want to spend my time on craving. And so I thought if I can try, you know, to activate my autophagy, With nutritional ketosis because that's how I I really got passionate about keto. If I can activate my autophagy by getting into the state of utilizing my ketones and using my own body fat as a source of fuel instead of using the sugar as a source of fuel, how much more free time will I have in the day to be a better thinker. And that's what motivated me. And, and I would say, two and a half years later, I've got hours more a day to do what I love.
2: It, it's really hard to express. And as a former 300 pound guy who weighs about 200 pounds now, uh, mm-hmm. you spend stupid amounts of not just time, but energy thinking about food. And if you're listening to the show right now, there's a little voice somewhere in your head going, What's for lunch? Like, is that a donut over there? And, and you're just so used to it that it's always there. And then as you get closer to a meal, you think, oh, I must be hungry. But what's going on is the voice in your head is screaming at you to eat and you think it's hunger. And until I started really getting into, okay, understanding what does keto do, I'd been a raw vegan for like, I tried all the different diets. Mm. What's the diet that turns off the voice in your head? So when, when a piece of food is in front of you, you just don't care. Because all the the electrons, all the the energy, the, the life force that goes into thinking about food when it's not time to eat is completely wasted. And if it returns to you, the number one place it goes, and this comes out of headstrong, it goes into emotional regulation. Like it lets you Ooh. act the way you want to act around your kids, around your board of directors, around Ooh. people in your community. And otherwise, if all your energy is going towards your cravings, you're probably more likely to snap at someone or do something that you wish you hadn't have done, including eat the donut. Um, is it different for men and women, though? I think
0: as a woman, um, so much of our emotional needs are being charged up by the food, right? So men are, in general, you know, in my in my impression. Um, less concerned about weight, for example, I feel
2: when you say that
0: (laughs) and I'm not (laughs) saying it to judge you. I'm just saying like my observation, (laughs) my observation is, you know, most women are really in a self-conscious place about their bodies. And you, you know, my background, you know, no?
2: Share, share with listeners, but I actually don't agree with you. But tell us your background and then let's go into this a little
0: bit. Okay, one. so let's, so yeah, let's totally go there. Um, so for me, I am French and I'm English. And I grew up with the French culture because my mother is French. And I spent most of on my summers, I'd be in the south of France with my cousins and with all the kids. And like, that is how I grew up. And as a French woman, we have a very different perception perspective about our body about beauty about sexuality um about many 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 facets of romance love sex all of it right when i moved to this country i was i was about almost 12 years old and um I, i may have told you this but my my french grandfather is a quantum physicist and he was teaching at columbia university and i got out of the car on 116th and Broadway. Um, and I looked around as this like preteen and I saw how wide the sidewalks were and how tall the buildings were and how big the cars were. And in my head, having grown up in the UK where everything is like itsy bitsy tiny, yeah. I thought, "Wow, I'm going to really like make stuff here. I'm going to build things. I didn't know the word entrepreneurship, but I knew that I had an environment where I could expand, and I didn't know how big I was going to be able to grow. What shocked me as much as that, as as this environment of entrepreneurship, was the way in which the girls and the women restricted themselves and were so picky about like the way they looked, or this isn't right, or I've got cellulite here, or and it was just such a difference in in way I had grown up to what I was experiencing, and I and I would say I still see that in this country immensely.
2: So, so if I paraphrase that, sort of, the, there's a French focus on sensuality and, and mm. feelings, and and you can have a sexiness that's that's a felt sense versus an optical, like a, a how it looks Correct. versus how it feels. Am I translating yeah. that the right way? Beautifully okay. and perfectly. Now it's stereotypical to say, oh, you know, guys care less about how they look. And this might have been true in the 1970s when I was born when we had 5% obesity in the country.
1: And well, I can tell well, you,
2: having been a fat guy, you know, a fat teenager, uh, fat in my 20s, uh, every time you wake up and you're like, oh, here's my 46 inch waist. And you're like, well, these pleats, you know, <laughs> hide the, the uncomfortable rolls there whether you're single or not uh, you really you know it when you're fat if you're a guy and you don't like it and if you're like oh, i'm married i have kids you know whatever it's less of a priority i don't have to go attract a mate you still you want to feel attractive and i feel like social media and all that sort of stuff is having an effect on, on guys and i tell you when i wrote the bulletproof diet i've had i don't know 10,000 uh, people reach out over different channels say dave i lost 20 40 uh, you know 70 pounds and it and it didn't hurt and i didn't have cravings all the time and my life has changed cuz i look the way i wanted to look and i feel the way i wanted to feel so it's first for mm-hmm. guys i think it's, we care about our energy levels but it feels really good to look in the mirror and go wow i actually have ribs you know they don't stick mm-hmm. out but i can see them i remember the first time i saw my ribs and so guys care but we're not supposed to care so we have right. to say we don't yeah. care but honestly most guys are like hey do you want to be the weight that you were when you were in high school uh, the way i am or do you want to be that extra 30, 40 pounds, but uh, you still look pretty good with your dad bod. You guys don't really want that. We really don't. So, you know, give us credit there. We, we like to look <laughs> it for our women.
0: Well, you know, there's a lot of data that talks about the confidence code. Like um, yeah. there's a book on um, the confidence code. Claire uh, Shipman wrote that, uh, co-authored it. And I just find that being able to stop obsessing around food and carbohydrates and um, getting into this place of of keto where my mind was able to focus on things that I really cared about made a huge difference in my personal confidence. but the ketogenic diet I think what you asked about you know for women is a very different experience okay. and we have been you know, so trained to think, okay, this weight, the weight that I was in high school is the weight that is my best weight potentially, and I should stay that way for the rest of my life. And if I'm not meeting that, well, then there's something that I'm not doing that's right, or I'm, I need to eat more low fat, or I need to cut my calories. And it's all about constricting and saying no and getting more and more and more strict which again is like a very big difference between my personal upbringing uh, and being uh, a woman that grew up in, in Europe. So yeah. I think more than anything, what makes keto hard for us as females is a lot of that negative press that's out there or the confusing messaging around safety. It's not safe. It's not good. You know, you this is going to hurt you. And I just think that's all I really do. And, and I have two and a half years of experiencing this transformation in myself that has allowed me to get rid of those cravings and become a stronger, healthier, and, and like much happier version of myself.
2: My experience of working with with women on keto, or my first book was on fertility, and like really yes. went into the details of of women's hormones. My wife's a medical doctor, and all that. Uh, so this, this does come from a position of knowledge. Of course, is that women do on a monthly basis have changes in energy demand that are are just driven by biology. You have a monthly cycle, mm-hmm. so there's times when well, it's going to be harder to be in keto or I, I just need more rest. And I've had lots of podcasts you know, with female Olympians and hormone experts right. and things like that. So energy demand varies pretty substantially uh, for women, more so than men on an average month. Uh, so our, our, our curve is relatively flat and a woman's curve is more cyclical
1: mm-hmm. uh,
2: for how you're going to feel and what energy is demanded, which means women on average are going to notice these changes in energy uh, more more severely than men are, and when you are on a diet that contains the wrong kind of energy or not enough energy, mm-hmm. uh, as a woman, it, well, calories are energy. So if, if you either can't metabolize your energy or you just don't have enough of it because you're eating a, a vegan, you know, low calorie, you know, I had some kale right. today, aren't I a good person? Kind of diet. Um, what you end up with is you end up with a low power woman. <laughs> Mm -hmm. because that power Mm -hmm. comes from food and air. That's Mm -hmm. how it works. Mm -hmm. And so, yes, it is restrictive and and it's toxic. And if it's, uh, I'm judging you because, oh, you had 16 grams of carbs today, not 15. You're a Mm -hmm. bad keto girl. Mm -hmm. Or, or, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever the voice in your head is telling you, that's also equally toxic uh, Mm -hmm. because that idea of being nourished in full power and thus being sexy, it is more of a European perspective. What's your take on when you use keto to get abs as a woman? What's that doing for you?
0: Oh, I love, I love this question. Um, so I am very excited about becoming like a whole woman, right? So how do I optimize my own biology? Every day is a chance to renew. And so philosophically, I'm of the mindset like, This daily renewal process, if it's through keto diet, if it's through mindset, if it's through exercise, if it's through love, whatever that is, this daily renewal, this activation of autophagy, these sort of things are um, all the different systems, the whole body metabolism. Like, right? Metabolism is not just about energy in and energy out. There's brain metabolism, and you talk about it all the Mm -hmm. time. There's this whole body yeah. and i think you know i'm aspiring to be a whole woman and so when i think about my abs and i look at my body's composition keto is about for me becoming strong and i can just look at keto primarily as a source of energy or, or i would say a source of fuel so i'm choosing to use nutritional ketosis the fat that I'm consuming as my primary fuel source. And I'm then utilizing the ketones, right? To provide this energy inside of my body. Um, And I'm very, very passionate about ketone bodies and, and, and the science that's really building around them right now. But as it relates to my abs, what I did after about a year of being into keto is I stopped thinking about the number on the scale. I got off my scale. And and Dave, prior to that, yeah. I was in about three or four years of, of training where my coach had me on the scale every single morning.
2: So wow.
0: once I stopped that, I literally got off the scale. I haven't, I actually haven't gotten back on it. And I started thinking about what is my body composition, right? Like what, is that. And how much protein do I need to meet this muscular demand? Because guess what? I'm doing handstands. I'm doing strength and conditioning three or four, typically four times a week. And I am becoming a whole woman through strength, through muscularity, through utilizing the fat as my primary fuel source. So the abs are a side note. Yeah. And the strength is the focus. And I don't get strong unless I make sure that I get enough protein, for example. And that has to be balanced with making sure that I'm getting enough of the good fats because we know what can happen with protein.
2: So do you actually have abs?
0: I do. Yeah, I'd be happy to show you.
2: And you've had four kids.
0: I So I have four children. I gave birth to the first one. Okay, I needed good. to read your wife Lana's book very early on, um, I I had trouble conceiving after my first child.
2: Got it. Okay, so so you had uh, you had you've had one child though, and you still have abs. Uh, and, uh, and I'm 46. I, and
0: I'll be 46, 46 in in about two months.
2: Okay, so we're we're about the same age. Mm-hmm. All right. Now, uh, did those abs? I mean, are, are they there usually? Or do they go away some days? Like, let, let's be really straightforward, because not a lot of women oh. have abs unless they're on restrictive diets, right? And it's, there's different genotypes and all that stuff. But it, mm-hmm. it feels like if you have enough DHA, you might not have abs a lot of the time. Right.
0: So um, that's a that's a really good a really good point and a really good question. So um, I have abs most of the time. I wouldn't say that it's all of the time, um, but again, you know. By focusing on this daily renewal process, I never restrict myself. I I just, I don't believe in it. I believe in in strengthening, right? So if it's making sure that my health is strengthened through the meditation work that I do, through the nutrition that I bring in, through the right amount of protein, like I'm consuming over 100 grams of protein, 110, 120 grams of protein most days, and that number changed, right? It used to be like 0.8 grams per kilo. But once you get into your 40s as a woman, you're in a different place. And in your 30s, you know, thinking about your, we need to be thinking about our hormones to your point at a very young age. My daughter's 17. I'm getting her tested this year to see where her hormone levels are at. Will she ever go on the pill? Not on my watch, right? <laughs> like Those things will yeah. not happen. But um, our hormones as a woman and our abs and and nutritional ketosis, they all sort of go hand in hand. And it's about this holistic 360 approach.
2: Uh, All right. So you have them most of the time. And I I just, I I, I see so many women, they they desperately want abs. And and like, actually, I don't think that's probably going to go along with the hips and the breasts and the cognitive state that you want, because when you get that lean, uh, quite often, it's too lean for longevity Mm -hmm. and, Mm -hmm. and, you know, you can surf that line and it can feel really good. Uh, But I, I feel like sometimes there's such a focus on that, um, that it, whether it's from keto or, you know, some kind of uh, plant-based non-functional long-term diet, they're, they're both (laughs) non-functional. If if you're you're, going, (laughs) if you're you're going like full keto or like full vegan uh, for, for a year, I don't care if you're a man or a woman, you're probably going to hate your life at the end of it because neither one of them works. Uh, and, and that's why, when uh, in fact, that's why I endorsed high-fiber keto. There's a, a quote on the jacket from me because um, the deal is we're missing, you got to have a ton of vegetables and being keto some of the mm-hmm. time. Walk me through what fiber does, um, both for abs and just for women and for men and why that's a part of keto. And we'll talk about inner fuel, probably the the fiber supplement that I use.
0: I love that. So before we go away from abs, I want to take okay. us to another part of the body. And it's the part of the body that I focus on. And you're going to you're going to giggle when you hear what what um, what I call them. So we're, we're, we're talking about our six pack. We're talking about our abs, blah, blah, blah. What I care about are my cakes. And those are my glutes.
2: <laughs> Your cakes. That's what my
0: coach calls them. And she and I, like today, we were deadlifting in the, in, in the gym. And We were laughing because when our glutes are strong, when they're firing, when you're experiencing that as a woman and your whole post chain is working, you know, it's working, it's firing, your body is in such a better place from a hormonal perspective. You know, it's like really thinking about where your testosterone levels are as a woman. In my 40s, this is a huge focus. We've spoken about it before. But again, I, I, I'm not so focused on the abs, but I am very much focused on the glutes or the cakes. So I just want to sort of put that out there.
2: I, uh, I'm with you there from a metabolic activation. Yeah. Your abs are tiny little muscles, and you can really only see them when you're exceptionally lean. But your I amount mean, of muscle mass in your butt, whether you're a man or a woman, is really important for how you process sugar and ketones, uh, and just how how you show up in the world, how you're grounded. So, um, more more squats for all of us. Uh,
0: <laughs> so so fiber is um, a very important piece in the nutritional ketogenic diet because, to your point, you know it's easy to go off track and not support your microbiome that the way that we need to. Um, It's easy to, you know, have issues with, um, you know, too much acidity in the diet. And at the end of the day, my entire life, I've eaten mostly vegetables as my as my main source of nutrition. And I've gotten very excited over the past decade around um, micro herbs. And um, like, I love, love, love broccoli sprouts because of, you know, they have the sulfuric acid in there. And so many of the, what I call super herbs. So things like cilantro, um, basil, cacao, ginger, turmeric. Like there's a way in my house where we consume, for example, last night, almost every single day we're getting super herbs. And we're getting them either in my family, in our juices, which we drink in the mornings, we get a lot of cilantro, we get parsley, we get um, mint, basil, we get all different things. Yeah. And, or we're eating a lot of different types of pestos. So getting these super micronutrients and herbs into our body, along with focusing on the fiber rich foods that are not particularly high in the carbohydrates. So my favorite is the artichoke, and that's what's mm. on the on the front of my book. And you know, the, the artichoke is rich in prebiotics, and we know that prebiotics are probiotics' favorite food. So if you want to make your microbiome happy, provide it its favorite food. And inulin is just just a really really powerful prebiotic and, and fiber, and so. Um, avocados, berries, chia seeds, flax seeds. It goes
2: on. I've got a quick, a quick plug I have to put in there. You must. So, bulletproof collagen mm. protein bars. I eat them all the time. Now, what do you think? holds all of that stuff together. Yes, it's inulin. So by design, from the beginning, it was, oh, what's a ketogenic fiber that feeds healthy gut bacteria? So there's inulin, Mm -hmm. there's cashews for the creaminess, and collagen for the protein, uh, and there's some brain octane or XCT oil in them as well for the ketones. But the fact that I never really talk as much about the probiotic and the fiber side Mm -hmm. of those, um, in part is because, uh, and you know this, because you've worked in the supplement business, there are certain things that feed good bacteria yep. that are ketogenic that are not actually considered technically a fiber, even though they function as a fiber, where there's actually regulations where they say, you're not allowed to say that's a fiber. You have to say it's a carb. You're like, what? It doesn't actually get digested like a carb. Right. It's ketogenic, and you're not allowing me to call it a fiber, even though it is a fiber. So as a food manufacturer, you have to dance around what you're allowed to say versus what the truth is. And if you ever turn a package over uh, at a health food store, and, and you're like, why does it say like "full of goody yumness"? It's because all of the truthful <laughs> statements we weren't allowed to say. But thank you, First Amendment, and all that stuff. I can tell you, there's a reason inulin is in those bars, mm-hmm. and there's a reason yeah. you know, that you're talking about inulin right now, and why you have artichokes on the cover. This precious mm-hmm. fiber. So you were saying other sources of inulin, which is one of the types of fiber. What are the other places to get them?
0: Oh my gosh! Right, I, and I love that you just communicated that because I think everybody who's listening to us today can go into their you know pantry, wherever in their fridge, and start seeing inulin in different places, and then bringing more okay. inulin into their into their life, into their diet. And um, like you said, where you've got the collagen, the MCT. I mean, it's just like there's a reason when I eat one of your bars and by the way, they are in my house at all times. Thank you. I feel good and it's it's this powerful combination. And so again, I mentioned to you, you know for me it's about becoming this whole woman and and optimizing my own biology. So as a woman, you know like on the front of my book, I'm juggling some artichokes but that's to me like a metaphor for a woman in her mid40s, what our life looks like, we're juggling, we've got too much on our plate, there's too much stress, there's a lack of safety, we can't relax, yeah. you know, like self-care now is something that we have to do, like we have to set aside time for self-care and things like that. And so I'm always looking like, how can I quickly optimize my day, my own my own health, my own biology, and artichokes that are rich in inulin do that. Avocados that have you know, they got the fiber in them. Um, again, you know, berries with all of the polyphenols and the fiber that's in those yeah. chia seeds, um, hemp seeds are another really good source. But I think in general, this this accumulation of the right types of fiber, 90% of us are deficient, Dave. You know, we're just not getting the yeah. fiber.
2: And if you're on the keto diet, it's probably worse, right?
0: Oh, it's so much worse. And so many people think you just don't need it when you're doing um, the ketogenic diet. But I fundamentally disagree. I mean, fiber and the ketogenic diet, they both lower blood sugar. They both lower blood pressure. They decrease weight. They improve our digestion. They support the microbiome. I mean, they work so beautifully synergistically. And I think that gives like almost a 10x effect to our metabolism.
2: They help your body make more NAD+, even as you age. All three of these are in an amazing formula called Qualia NAD+. Check out Qualia NAD+, risk-free, for up to 100 days at neurohacker.com slash dave15 to save an extra 15%. That's neurohacker.com slash dave15, Qualia NAD+. It's what I use. When I put together the Bulletproof Diet, I mean, keep in mind, this book came out in 2014, and you know the diet was a couple years uh, in the making before that and experimenting. I did a, a three-month period where I ate essentially no fibrate, one serving of broccoli mm-hmm. a day, and the rest was just meat and fat uh, mm-hmm. to get as close to an Eskimo diet as I could reasonably do. And it wrecked my sleep. It wrecked my gut microbiome. It, it did not do good things for me. And... I see all these dirty keto people out there saying, you know, just you put in some milk protein isolate in, you know, whatever kind of you know, stevia soaked nutra sweet whatever and you're like, "Wah, it, it doesn't taste good." And if you do that regularly, your gut bacteria doesn't go there with saying, "Wasn't a carb, so I'm a good person." And you you take that It wrecks your gut bacteria. So then the Bulletproof Diet template is a plate covered in vegetables, but not starchy vegetables Mm -hmm. most of the time. And you add some ketones with brain octane and you put a little bit of grass-fed meat on there for your protein. And that's sort of the template. But over time, I found I could not get enough vegetables when I traveled. Like like try to get a plate of artichokes at a restaurant and you get like two of them and it's $32 and they're dipped Mm -hmm. in some sort of aioli that's made of soybean oil and MSG. And you're like, gee, thanks. So eventually, I I just said, okay. I wrote Superhuman, and looked at what we actually need. Like, did the math behind the amount of fiber and the types of fiber and which ones are ketogenic and what they do, and I came to the same conclusions you did. That look, you can't just say I'm keto. You have to have the fiber perspective. I ended up making Inner Fuel. I put the stuff in my coffee. I put it pretty much every meal. So I'm getting as I wrote in in the last book, I'm getting somewhere around 60 to 100 grams of soluble fiber a day that is fully ketogenic, not counting the veggies I eat. And I can do it when I travel now because it's just powder and you can Mm -hmm. do that. And that's what the people live the longest actually do. It's just impossible from normal food. What do you recommend people do when they can't get enough vegetables? Because this is a major issue for us.
0: Yeah, no, it's a major issue with 90% of us not getting enough. And enough is 20 to 25 grams, not, you know, like that's just like a yeah. baseline. You're in a completely yeah, different zone. When I was in um, Alaska, I sat with a bunch of these Inuit women and I, I said, okay, what's your favorite food? Talk to me. And they said, we get our energy from blubber. When, when it is the coldest time of year, we're eating the blubber. And they gave me all these blubber recipes. I was like, oh my God. But the amount of berries that they consume, the amount of fibrous vegetables that they consume was much higher than I realized just when I started to talk with these women. And it's, you know, really to do with the seasons and what they have access to. So I think, you know, we're going to discover to your point when you wrote your book, like it's so much about eating the way that we used to. And it's so much about getting those prebiotics, and and feeding our microbiome. And so for me today, the way that we can get fiber is exactly from what you just said. Consuming a powdered version um, is the only way that I can confidently say I'm getting the fiber that I need.
2: All right, so we're in alignment on that, and it's it's kind of funny because— yeah, sure, I'll eat some coconut oil, but I do take the 5% extract with the most potency I know how to make as a mm-hmm. supplement, yes. It's called Brain Octane, shameless plug. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. Number one selling MCT oil by far because uh, it works way, differently guys, than normal I just MCTs, wanna, right? I just
0: want to interrupt you for one second, Dave, and I yeah. want to wanna acknowledge it's the number one MCT oil because you created the category.
2: Oh, well, there's that. <laughs> it's
0: the number one because of who you are. And, you know, as someone who's been in this industry for 25 years, every time I see you, I always say to you, Dave, I have so much respect and admiration for what you're bringing to the health and wellness community. You broke all of the boundaries when like for those of you that are not in our industry, we have this big trade show. It's called Expo West. It happens once a year. It's in Anaheim, California, like 70,000 people show up. And for its entire history, the supplement companies are on one side and the food companies are on the other side. Well, guess what? In walks Dave. And Dave breaks all of the effing boundaries completely. And we as humans are able to up, upgrade our health because of your boldness, Dave, because of your willingness. So Thank I you. just, I have to say that, like I've been, I want people to know who are not necessarily so tapped into our industry as I am, um, that this is the real deal. And, and I'm, you know, I'm really psyched and pumped to see you continue to, to be on the cutting edge and share with us in, in the ways that you do.
2: Well, that, that uh, coming from you with your background in the industry, well, that that is uh, that's amazing, and it's an honor. Thank, thank you, and, and just that the idea that sometimes your food won't be enough given the demands of travel and demands of life and all that, and that the line between food and supplements is actually non-existent. <laughs> mm-hmm. When when you get to a certain level of superfood, it, it, is it really a a nutrient source? Uh, You know, Are you going to get enough calories from cilantro? No, actually, you're not going to get much energy from cilantro. Cilantro is a food, but it's more of a supplement, uh, more of a a medicine. And of course, there are laws that say foods can't be medicines because they're not drugs. You're not allowed to say what foods actually do. Uh, But that line that says, okay, if I'm going to show up all the way, I'm going to need more than just plain food can do for me, uh, especially if I'm going to live an intense life and that that's okay. Uh, So for me, I don't know how to do what I do. Uh, if i wasn't allowed to cheat and get uh, fiber from stuff that i put together and i had to get mm-hmm. all of my uh, c8 mct brain octane from coconut oil cuz i would throw up from eating that much coconut oil <laughs> cuz it takes like 20 pounds of co- of coconut oil yeah. to make 1 pound of brain octane right so it's okay to just say look we're we're going to we're going to hack or cheat or we're going to do what it takes to show up the way we want to show up and there are some differences for men and women, but they're not that big of a deal. But mm-hmm. maybe women need fiber more than men. And if that's the case, use a supplement or have you know mm-hmm. 16 salads mm-hmm. if that makes you happy. But mm-hmm. it's going to take that much lettuce to get your, your fiber intake up mm-hmm. and acknowledge you might not have time and the restaurant might not be willing to bring you two pounds of lettuce. Uh, so mm-hmm. what are you going to do? You could, right. you could just be deficient that day which is what a lot of us have learned to do. Like, oh, I'll just you know eat the deep fried Brussels sprouts and be done with it. And then you wonder why? Why does my skin look this way? You know, why mm-hmm. do I have these love handles? Why do I feel like a zombie? You know, why am I yelling at people? Um, that's what happens when humans eat food that's not compatible with their biology. Yeah. Um, what uh, What are the other? hacks the things very specifically for women uh, around fiber like is there a kind of fiber that's going to make you fart like a machine that (laughs) probably isn't in alignment with your french upbringing um you know are there fibers to avoid are there you know things that are risks just give me more details more nuggets more actionable stuff for people listening
0: yeah no i think it's i think it's a great question um i would say as it relates to fiber you know you Depending on how much fiber you're getting in a day, and most people are, are not getting anything close to what they need, um, you need to make it a slow build, right? Because all of a sudden, if, <laughs> if you're like, okay, I'm going to eat 25 grams of fiber today. I'm not talking about you, Dave. You're up in the like three digits there. I, I built but, up, okay. <laughs> but you build up, right? So again, it's like at the beginning as you're adjusting to it, if you have some of that gas, okay. like it's It's part of that process. And recognizing that, you know, over the course of several weeks, uh, it can take time to get past that place where you're feeling bloated, um, and and that's okay too. You Mm -hmm. know, what I did with High Fiber Keto is a clinical study. Um, We did a clinical study at Jacksonville University, and the whole goal of it, it was uh, a 22-day, we actually, we, we did it for 22 days, but we continued it on for 30 and then it went to 60. But what we wanted to see is within those first 22 days, if and it was only done on women, right? Because in, in the scientific community, you spoke about it earlier, because as women, we deal with menstrual cycles. We we have the hormonal complexities. We are complex. Yeah. What's happened in the scientific community is women are not included in as many studies because it makes it so much more difficult. And so I would say as a woman in 2020, we're at a place where there's almost like a scientific black hole for our health. And that's changing and that will continue to change, but we're in the early stages. So this study that we did was done just on women. And we looked at, you know, did they have metabolic syndrome? What were their disadvantages? We didn't provide them with their meals. We said, here are the boundaries. We want you to get into nutritional ketosis. And then we did a a huge gamut of tests. Well, only 60% of the women were able to get into nutritional ketosis in those 22 days. So I would say as it relates to fiber, and this is fundamentally about nutritional ketosis and fiber goes on top of it, getting your body into a place where you're using fat, fuel and you're really in a consistent state of nutritional ketosis for a period of time is is the one thing that's going to make the biggest difference once you start to incorporate the fiber because your system, your metabolism is working so much more effectively and you're able to utilize um, the benefits of that fiber more effectively. So think about with fiber optimizing your metabolism. Like that's the whole thing in my mind um, when I look at at, at fiber. Yeah. And I would also say that the sources that I gave you of, of, you know, the fiber-rich foods, like I have so many, probably over 50 recipes that are fiber-rich where you're getting 25 to 35 grams of fiber every single day. Where the fiber is coming from, is it soluble or insoluble? inulin is 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 to me a really big play on it as well. Yeah. Um so it's simply adding a teaspoon of chia seeds to your breakfast. Like we have breakfast puddings that have the chia seeds and things like that. Um it's just understanding in part what are the vegetables that have like a dual action. So a cruciferous vegetable is a super powerful way to get a lot of the good fibers you wouldn't necessarily think about it. It also activates autophagy. When I look at hydration and how that relates to fiber, right? So when we go into a nutritional ketogenic lifestyle, already we're messing with our electrolytes. Our sodium levels are usually way off. And if you can incorporate the right amount of hydration, and I would say it's not from eight glasses of water, it's from gel water, it's from cucumbers and celery and things that have like 70% water and you're getting that hydration deep into your cells, that also really helps with utilizing fiber in your diet. So gel waters, super hydration. I know I'm hydrated. I don't count the amount of water I drink every day. I count the amount of times I go pee. And I have to be going at least six times. And we talked about that um, before. Yeah. And then I know that my body is is fully hydrated. And then I'm always focusing on the right amount of electrolytes. Am I getting the minerals? You know, celery has a ton of sodium, which I'm looking for. We talked about broccoli and and, and the sulfur, finic acids. So it's it's really complementing the fiber with these micronutrients and this gel water to incorporate Higher levels of
2: hydration. When you talk about gel water, uh, for people listening, we're not talking about like the, the electrolyte gels or stinger <laughs> packs or anything like that. We're talking about exclusion zone water. Yeah. Um, this is water that would be found inside a vegetable juice. And um, Bulletproof actually funded research uh, with uh, Jerry Pollock uh, from the University of Washington. Yeah. Uh, it was actually a, a pretty a large amount of money by, uh, by, by Bulletproof oh. Research Standards on this new form of water. And what uh, he found was that some of the largest amounts of that gel water, the exclusion zone water uh, that he's ever seen came from, get this, small droplets of butterfat, i.e. ghee, Mm -mm. suspended in water. So this is one of the reasons Bulletproof Coffee works in Mm -hmm. my understanding of this. This Mm -hmm. is why the Tibetans blend their yak Mm -hmm. butter tea in a butter churn, even though Mm -hmm. they don't even have running water a lot of the time. It's because when you get tiny droplets of fat, you make more of the gel waters. So, I mean, my my morning routine, I make my bulletproof coffee and I put in two big scoops of inner fuel. Now I've Mm -hmm. got a huge amount of exclusion zone water. I got my polyphenols from the coffee and I've got my inner fuel and I just got my fiber up a lot. But here here's a question. You might know the answer to this. No one's been able to answer this. Mm. I do that. So I know that bulletproof intermittent fasting still keeps you in a state of autophagy, where you have the fats, but you have no protein mm-hmm. and no carbs mm-hmm. whatsoever. And I've talked to Sim Land about it. And you get some people who say, "Oh, that's not really fasting." Whatever, like it is really fasting, and it's fasting that doesn't hurt and raises your ketones higher. Different types of fasting, sure. Mm-hmm. But no one can tell me unless you can. <laughs> if I add these fibers in the morning. And these are fibers that do not raise insulin, fibers that only get eaten by gut bacteria. Is that a fast metabolically? Certainly it's not allowing my gut bacteria to chill because they're happy as clams. But is is, is that still a fast?
0: So I told you uh, when we first started our conversation, I'm here in the Innovation Institute at the University of Florida in Gainesville. And the good news is I have a ton of, PhD is right around the corner. So I will give you that answer from um, a, a scientific standpoint after this, because I don't know okay. that answer. If you're getting no one those has fibers, been able, are you, are you yeah, still in a state? I don't of know,
2: but someone's got to know. So maybe you can hook me up with oh, the right we're gonna researcher. We're
0: going to get that. Yeah. I'm going to get that answer for you. I mean, I think for okay. people like you and me, were were. we're, much more of the generalist and so we have access to hundreds of researchers thousands right throughout the world that are spending their life dedicated to one specific topic like when i when i had the privilege of interviewing yoshinori osumi the nobel prize winner for autophagy i was in tokyo yeah. and it was the most remarkable day i i i told you how much i love that but he has spent his career, and he continues to, just studying yeast and how autophagy is, is activated, how it's deactivated, and it's only been yeast his entire career. And the fact that he has won the Nobel Prize for his research and, and being able to have the privilege that you have, you've interviewed Nobel Prize winners, you know, we are very, very, very lucky people to have the kind of exposure that we do. And the fact that your mind is wondering, feel like what's happening here with fiber? That entrepreneurial spirit is what allows us to basically take our health to the next level. So I'm going to run out of here and, and find right. those researchers <laughs> that will get on the phone with you and, and give you the answer you call okay. the answer.
2: Well, I, I definitely wasn't trying to stump you there. I was hoping you're going <laughs> to teach me something, Naomi. Yeah. You, you often do. But that the point that you've made in your book, and this is one of the first books to really make the point um, very uh, succinctly to the point, and whether it's it's specifically for women or for men, is that, look, if you're going to be on keto for long periods of time, I'll tell you straight up, do it cyclically. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you need more fiber. But I think you. You dive in on the fiber thing more than anyone else I've seen in uh, in the field, uh, including you know my books. I'm saying you need fiber. There's the anti aging angle, but in the Bulletproof Diet, I was like eat your veggies, but I didn't. I wasn't quantified, and I wasn't looking at the right types of fiber. And frankly, if you go back six years ago, the research didn't exist that said this right. fiber feeds this kind of gut bacteria. Yeah. But you went through all that in your book, and you're saying here's the case, here's what to do, and here's how it's going to make you feel, and here's the difference between men and women. So all of these were big open spaces in the world of keto in the world of of biohacking so you kind of took those three of them put them together into a book that actually added to our sum of knowledge about it
1: yeah Uh, your website yes uh,
2: your website for the book by the way is highfiberketo.com very easy to remember Uh, and i would i would just say look you're listening to this and you haven't experimented with what happens when you manipulate your fiber, you've probably manipulated your protein because you've eaten less protein or more protein. I've talked about protein fasting, et cetera. You've probably manipulated your sugar and your carbs because you know you've done this stuff. But have you looked at the type and composition of the fiber in your diet and seen what that does for you? If you haven't, that was that's probably the missing leg. And this is the book you want to read Highfiberketo.com from by Naomi Whittle. Uh Naomi, what did I not ask you that I should have asked you in our interview today?
0: I think you asked everything. I mean, I would just add one thing. you know, i'm I'm very proud of the fact that, like both with glow fifteen and with high fiber keto, I did a clinical study, and um it was both of them were done exclusively on women. and i I fundamentally believe that we as women, um, we need more science. We need more, and I love that you're married to a physician. And um, I think you know, the more we can support women's health and and longevity and increasing the level of boldness that some you know that that we see out there in the world, the better off we are. And I'm excited. I'm just excited for people to start playing with. How much fiber do I actually want to be consuming on a daily basis? Do I want to be like Dave? Like, what will that do for my longevity? And what Just will that do start for my slow. health? <laughs> <laughs> uh, all
2: right, I'm I'm with you on uh, on that mission. And the fact is, it's a clinical trial is important. The fact that it's for women is important. And I get. I used to get upset. Now I just kind of roll my eyes where at the end of every year you get uh, the American uh, Diabetic Association. I'm sorry, the American Dietetic Association. I confuse them because the American Dietetic people, they usually cause diabetes with their Mm. recommendations. Like These are the people who make hospital diets, Mm -hmm. which are like the worst foods you could ever make. Um, Well, they always come out and go, "Oh, this is the keto diet's the worst diet based on nutritionists." I'm like that's funny because the people I know who go on it find that their mood stabilizes, their cravings go away, they lose weight, they feel really good, uh, and it's uh, it's pretty amazing. Um, and so I I just feel like that's just junk. Uh, and so we we can do better than that. And I I really hope. Uh, that your book helps people to see that. So the science is behind what you are doing. You did a clinical study. You did it specifically on women. And here's the deal. If you go on dirty keto, whether you're a man or a woman, you will hate your life in 60 days. <laughs> it's going no to happen. <laughs> right? uh, if you do cyclical keto, you eat enough veggies, you add your fiber, you can do it for years and you'll look younger, you'll feel younger, you'll look better. Like Everything gets better. So you can't just say keto. It has to have the nuances. You can't do keto with corn oil, and fake sweeteners and pork rinds and say oh look and, and some cream cheese and it, it doesn't work you'll lose half your weight but then you'll feel like a zombie and you'll have like bad skin I know I've done it the people who've gone down this path have done it but what you've added to the conversation is critically important you hit the, the angle for women and you proved it with science and you talked about fiber in a way that really needed to happen so I just I appreciate you I appreciate what you're doing this is a meaningful book but thanks for being on Bulletproof Radio for the second time Let's hope this one is uh, as popular as your last episode. And uh, for people who liked this interview, listen to the last one. And I would encourage you to go out there and go on your favorite podcast platform and just uh, subscribe to the podcast. It's easy to do. And I'll bring you the best scientists, best research, best authors, and just stuff that's going to give you value. So if you feel like in the last hour you got more back than you donated in terms of time, Then subscribe and leave a review, and I appreciate it. And while you're at it, pick up a copy of High Piper Keto because it's worth your time. Thank you for listening.
1: A Human Upgrade, formerly Bulletproof Radio, was created and is hosted by Dave Asprey.